Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most, because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D, and today I'll be covering the case of Drake Ruiz, Daniel Hawkins, and Jacob Ivascu in Corona, California. Let's get right to it. On January 19, 2020, six teenage boys were having a sleepover. They were celebrating a birthday. The boys, 18-year-old Sergio Camposano, 16-year-old Daniel Hawkins, and his 13-year-old brother Joshua, 16-year-old Jacob Avascu, and his 14-year-old brother, who was also named Joshua, and Drake Ruiz, who was 16 at the time, had been friends since their elementary days at Olive Branch Community Church and School, where they all met. The older teens had attended the school up into the 8th grade, and though they had all moved on to different high schools, they remained inseparable. According to People, the boys went to the same church and spent time together at youth group and at each other's houses. That weekend in January was no different. The boys were all spending the weekend together to celebrate Jacob Avascu's 16th birthday. Their parents later sat down with the press enterprise, recalling the events to the outlet. It all started out as a weekend of fun. On Saturday, January 18th, they were together at the Avascu's house playing football in the yard. After a few rounds, despite the fact that it was January and freezing cold outside, they jumped into the pool and then came inside and made videos of themselves wrestling around. That following Sunday, January 19th, the boys were at the Hawkins house in Temescal Valley. In the afternoon, they were back outside playing football and eating junk food as would any group of teenage boys. As the day wore on, they decided to play a game of truth or dare. One of them set a timer on their phone as they tossed around the football. Whoever had the ball when the timer went off had to do the dare. The dares were pretty tame. They were things like drinking a tablespoon of hot sauce or mixing up a concoction from the kitchen that was gross. Silly little things, nothing dangerous or anything that would cause a parent to be concerned. Just the type of goofy dares you would expect six bored teenage boys to come up with to make a game of catch more exciting. 
At some point, Jacob's younger brother, 13-year-old Joshua Avascu, ended up with the football in his hands when the timer went off. It was decided by the boys that his dare was either to jump into the pool fully clothed or to play a round of ding-dong ditch. Joshua picked ding-dong ditch. In case you're not familiar, ding-dong ditch is a game or prank, however you want to look at it, where you ring someone's doorbell and run away before the person inside catches you. The whole point is to get out of there before you're really spotted. Of course, there are variations of the game, but for the boys, that was it. They would find a house, ring the doorbell, and run away. At approximately 10 p.m., they left the Hawkins home in a 2002 Toyota Prius and went out looking for a house. It was just going to be the one house, and the boys didn't plan on going far. Some of them didn't even bother to put shoes on before they left and went out in just their socks. According to Janet Hawkins, they took a turn down Mojeska Summit Drive and noticed a house with a purple light on inside. The Hawkins boys had a remote control light in their bedroom, so they assumed that the person inside must have been pretty cool to have a purple light like theirs. They were kids, so a purple light was just as good a rationale as any for this to be the house. Joshua got out and went and knocked on the door, but no one answered and there wasn't a stir from inside the house. The other boys shouted from the car, you've got to ring the doorbell so they can hear it. So the 13-year-old did, and someone headed towards the door. The dare complete, Joshua began to run back to the car and hopped in, and they took off and headed back home. The homeowner, 45-year-old Anurag Chandra, was enraged at the prank. He climbed into his 2019 Infinity Q50 and barreled after the boys. According to the Riverside County District Attorney, the boys tried to get away, but Chandra rear-ended and sideswiped the Prius until it was forced to stop. At that point, the boys made a U-turn in order to escape, but Chandra continued to chase them, reaching speeds of 99 miles an hour. He caught up with them on Timiskal Canyon Road, near Squaw Mountain Road, and intentionally rammed his car into the back of the Prius the impact of which forced the car to veer off the road and into a tree. After the wreck, Chandra fled the scene and went back home. But the damage was done. What started out as a harmless prank changed the lives of three families forever. Support for today's show comes from Relatable. This one's for my citizen detectives out there, aka all y'all here listening to this podcast. If you love nothing more than a juicy mystery or an unsolved case, you will love Relatable's newest game, Who Killed Mia? You may know them for their internet-famous party games like What Do You Meme, Let's Get Deep, and New Phone, Who Dis? So you know their first foray into a murder mystery game is going to be unlike anything else out there. Who Killed Mia is a murder mystery story for the internet age, centered around the fictional but oh-so-incredibly-realistic influencer Mia Starr and her untimely death at the Replay Awards. Players work to solve the case using a mix of physical and immersive digital evidence, like hacking into Mia's phone, as well as gripping live-action videos to uncover the killer. This sensational game is available on the Relatable website, as well as Target, Walmart, and Amazon. There's even an Instagram where you can follow along at RealMiaStar and at WhoKilledMia. My family is huge on game night. And what do you meme just so happens to be one of our favorites. 
Imagine my excitement when I found out that Relatable had created an all-new murder mystery game. My husband, on the other hand, was not quite as excited when I planned a date night for us to play Who Killed Mia. True crime just isn't his thing. But within minutes of ripping open the first envelope of evidence, he was all in. At times, we completely forgot we weren't actually detectives and this wasn't a real-life case. It was unlike any other game we've ever played before, and we've played them all. Who Killed Mia is for all my game lovers and detectives. Get this game for your next game night and find out who killed the world's favorite influencer and who killed Mia. A new kind of murder mystery game from Relatable, the creators of the hit game What Do You Meme. And get 20% off with promo code LEAST at Relatable.com slash WhoKilledMia. Once again, that's promo code LEAST at Relatable.com slash WhoKilledMia. Citizen Detectives, it's your time to shine. Witnesses saw it all happen. They watched as the Infinity sedan slammed into the Prius, thrusting it off the road and into the tree. They then watched the Infinity leave the scene, one of them eventually following it as it drove back to Mojeska Summit Drive. Chandra returned home less than a mile away, got out of his car, and went inside as if nothing happened. KTLA 5 reported that another witness stayed with the boys. She prayed with them as they waited for first responders. Drake Ruiz, Daniel Hawkins, and Jacob Avascu, all just 16 years old, were killed in the wreck. According to the Washington Post, Jacob Avascu died at the scene. Daniel Hawkins and Drake Ruiz were transported to local hospitals where they were pronounced deceased and the three other boys in the car suffered broken bones and other serious injuries that required them to be hospitalized. 14-year-old Joshua Avascu, biological brother of Jacob, suffered a skull fracture, dislocated shoulder, and an injury that required stitches. 18-year-old Sergio Camposano, the driver who tried so hard to get away from Chandra, suffered a broken vertebrae in his back. 13-year-old Joshua Hawkins, biological brother of Daniel, was also injured. The three boys would make a physical recovery, but their lives would never be the same. They had lost not one, not two, but three brothers that night. The physical injuries were nothing compared to the mental anguish of witnessing the murder of their brothers. Jacob and Joshua's parents, Ramona and Alex Avascu, spoke to the press enterprise, Ramona stating, What Joshua saw that night, I'm thankful that it was dark. I know he saw some things. He heard some things too, his father Alex added. As the surviving boys recovered from their injuries and the community heard the gut-wrenching news that three of their own had been killed in a horrific crash, the California Highway Patrol began investigating. It didn't take long before they were knocking on Anurag Chandra's door. According to KTLA 5, he was arrested the following day on January 20, 2020, on three counts of murder and three counts of attempted murder. Nine days after their deaths, thousands gathered to remember Daniel, Jacob, and Drake at the North Point Evangelical Free Church in Corona. The Press Enterprise reported on the service. The celebration of life lasted over two and a half hours, a testament to the life and faith of the three best friends. 
A slideshow of photographs was played and teammates from a rugby team both Daniel Hawkins and Drake Ruiz played on performed a Maori haka dance in their honor. The haka is a ceremonial war dance of the Maori people in New Zealand. It symbolizes major life events and at a memorial is a way to express mourning. Nearly 3,000 attendees looked on as the emotional dance was performed. Family members and friends also spoke about who the boys were. Jacob was full of love and personality. Daniel was funny and lived life to the fullest. Drake was a hugger who loved out loud. Even in his death, he helped others. His mom revealed that 120 people received organ and bone donations from her son's body. The boys were all remembered for their kindness, humor, and unshakable faith in God, a faith that was on full display at the service. Not only had the families of the boys made the decision to forgive the man who had killed their sons, Pastor Woody Armstrong spoke of that forgiveness at the service, calling for prayer for the killer and his family. The pastor said, I want you to pray for the man's family who killed them. They too are going through a very major transition. Finally, I want you to pray for Mr. Chandra. What he's done is evil, but he needs to know Jesus. Even in the midst of their unimaginable grief, the families chose forgiveness because of their faith. They believed it was what their boys would have wanted. That forgiveness didn't mean they thought Chandra shouldn't be held accountable for his actions, however. When they sat down with the press enterprise, they all agreed that he needed to be taken off the streets for good. Daniel's father, Craig Hawkins, said, This guy is a menace to his own family and society. As it turned out, Craig Hawkins was 100% correct. This wasn't the first time Chandra had lashed out in violence. According to the press enterprise, at the time of the crash, Chandra was already facing charges of misdemeanor battery on a spouse and willful injury to a child. The charges stem from a September 9th incident in which Chandra was charged with committing battery upon the parent of his child and, according to the complaint, inflicting, quote, unjustifiable physical pain on the child, who was only identified in the complaint as a female in his care and custody. Since it involves a minor, details on that specific case are hard to come by. All that is publicly available is that Chandra went on to plead guilty to those charges and was eventually credited with time served. He would not, however, take accountability for his actions on the night of January 19, 2020. Did you know that traditional bedsheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? It can lead to acne, allergies, and stuffy noses. And let's be honest, it's just gross. Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding, like sheets, pillowcases, and comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria and require three times less laundry. Self-cleaning sheets? Yes, please. Because your girl hates laundry, but also dirty sheets, which is why I'm so glad I found Miracle Made. These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. And they're designed for your skin. Stop sleeping on bacteria, which can clog your pores, causing breakouts and acne. You can sleep clean with Miracle. 
And you don't have to give up comfort or quality. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Go to trymiracle.com slash least to try Miracle made sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo LEAST at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash least and use the code least to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash least to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. A month after the deadly crash, on Friday, February 21st, Chandra pled not guilty to three counts of murder and three counts of attempted murder, along with a special circumstance allegation of multiple murders. As the case made its way through the court system, the families of the three boys channeled their grief into action, creating RememberThe3.com, sharing the stories of the boys and offering hope to others through their faith in God. They also set up a scholarship in honor of the boys through the Temescal Heritage Foundation. After hitting a few snags, the first awards were ready for the 2021-2022 school year, the same year that the three boys should have graduated. According to the Press Enterprise, students were chosen from Santiago and Centennial High Schools in Corona and Woodcrest Christian High School in Riverside, the three schools Daniel Drake and Jacob attended. For that 2022 graduating class, four recipients were chosen from Centennial High, four students who overcame adversity like Drake. The recipient from Santiago was a football player and teammate of Daniels who exemplified good sportsmanship. And the student from Woodcrest Christian had good grades, college prospects, and according to Ramona Avascu, a godly character and demeanor. He was a close friend of Jacob's. And the family didn't stop there. Two additional scholarships were awarded to Daniel's older sister and Sergio Camposano, the friend who was driving the car that fateful night. Though the three weren't there to walk across the stage with their respective graduating classes, their presence was felt and their lives honored on their graduation night. Fast forward to the spring of 2023 and the trial of Anurag Chandra. The prosecution told the story of a group of teenage boys doing teenage boy stuff, recounting the game of truth or dare hot potato with a football. 13-year-old Joshua just so happened to be the one holding the ball when the timer went off. He had a choice, one that seemed so inconsequential and harmless, one that he could have never imagined would change his life forever. A simple, silly choice, jump in the pool with his clothes on or ring a doorbell. He chose to ring a doorbell, a choice that shouldn't have cost anyone their lives. It was a goofy prank and one that wouldn't have harmed anyone. The boys piled in the car in a hurry. They didn't even all take the time to put their shoes on. 
It was just a little after 10 p.m. and they weren't going far. Just a simple knock and run and they'd be on their way home. They made another decision that night. Again, a simple one. They chose at random to knock on the door of Anurag Chandra. Had it been anyone else in the neighborhood, I likely wouldn't be here telling you this story. It would have ended with a few laughs and giggles and years down the road, a funny childhood memory. Like the ones you have with your childhood friends that you look back on and think, what in the hell were we doing? I'm sure all of us can think back to a game of truth or dare and shake our heads at the things we dared each other to do. I know I sure can. I'm sure many of you listening likely played a round or three of Ding Dong Ditch yourself. It's all part of being a kid. If those boys had ended up at any other house and not crossed paths with Chandra, their story wouldn't have ended this way. They were just out there being kids. That night of January 19th, Joshua Avascu headed towards the door while his older brother Jacob recorded. Joshua pulled down his pants and mooned his friends, turned around and gave a thumbs up before he knocked on the door. The boys yelled that the knock wasn't enough and he needed to ring the doorbell. So he did. According to the prosecution, he rang the doorbell one time. The boys all climbed back in the car, but before they pulled away, Jacob got a shot of Chandra on camera, walking out the door. At that point, the boys drove off, and that should have been the end of the story. But Anurag Chandra was enraged. He climbed into his Infinity sedan and sped after the boys. Chandra caught up to them as they were headed north on a two-lane road. He drove into the southbound lane and pulled alongside the boys, the two cars making contact. Sergio Camposano stopped the car and made a U-turn, trying to get away. But Chandra followed, hitting speeds of 99 miles an hour in a 40-mile zone. By now, it was about 10.30 p.m. The boy's car was traveling 63 miles an hour when it was struck from behind by Chandra who was traveling at approximately 88 miles an hour in the infinity. The impact forced the boy's car off the road and into a tree. Chandra drove by the side of the crash slowly and then just went home. But he did leave something behind at the collision site. In the impact, the front license plate of his car had came off and was there at the scene of the crash. A witness who had a description of Chandra's car followed the trail of fluid leaking from the car to his home and alerted authorities. Within minutes of the crash, investigators had a pretty good idea of who was involved. California Highway Patrol officers responded to Chandra's home at about 11 p.m. They knocked on the door, but he didn't answer. At 2.19 a.m., officers were back at the house attempting to make contact. At that point, Chandra called 911 to report people with flashlights banging on his door. The dispatcher told him that those people were CHP officers who wanted to speak with him. At 2.46 a.m., he finally emerged from his house and was promptly arrested. Of course, Chandra had a completely different story, which had been recorded in a jailhouse phone call. The initial story, if you let Chandra tell it, was that someone knocked on his door. He then went outside and decided he needed to go get some gas and have his car washed. After the car wash, as he drove, he said someone threw a rock at his car. He then decided to go home because he had left his cell phone. 
At that point, he noticed someone, quote, not driving properly, and then there was a crash. He couldn't call 911 because he didn't have his phone. So he just went back home. Just so we had this straight, someone knocked on his door. He went outside and thought, oh man, now is a great time to get some gas in a car wash. And then a rock caused catastrophic damage to the entire front of his car, so severe that his license plate was ripped off. And at the same time, there was someone driving improperly and a crash, but he couldn't call 911 because he didn't have his phone. Never mind the fact that that story doesn't make a lick of sense. Chandra lived less than a mile away. Could he not have rushed home and called 911 to report these strange occurrences? I mean, someone had knocked on his door, threw a rock at his car, and then there was a car crash. He didn't feel the need to report any of this? By the time trial rolled around, Chandra had cooked up a whole nother story. This one even more stupid than the first. The remix version of events, Chandra had the audacity to tell the jury from the stand in his defense when something like this. Between 7.30 and 10 p.m. the night of the crash, Chandra testified that he drank 12 bottles of Corona Premier beer. He was then headed to bed because he had to be up at 5 a.m. the next day to meet a distributor at work in Buena Park to discuss a business deal. At around 10 p.m., he saw a person in front of his home wearing a sweatshirt with the hood over his head. That person knocked on the door, rang the doorbell, and then exposed his buttocks. Chandra claimed that he was afraid for his family's safety, and he thought the person at his front door was a sex offender, intent on attacking him, his wife, and 16-year-old twin daughters. So out of fear for his family, he called 911 to report the sex offender wearing a hood, threatening him as he had when police with flashlights were at his front door, right? Wrong. He hopped in his car and began to chase the person down so he could, quote, verbally express his anger. During the chase, the 2002 Toyota Prius sideswiped his car, so he turned around and continued to pursue the Prius at high rates of speed. At that point, the Prius suddenly braked and he rear-ended the car. He then drove past the crash site and headed home. He claimed he didn't stop because he didn't realize anyone was injured and didn't believe he was responsible for the collision. He also testified that despite the copious amounts of alcohol he had consumed, he was driving under control, even using his turn signals as he chased the Prius. He went on to say that as he arrived home, his wife was taking out the trash. Seeing the damage to the front of the car, she asked what had happened and he responded that he didn't want to talk about it and would, quote, take care of things later. He then went inside the house and passed out from the, quote, overwhelming stress. Yeah, it was a stupid story, but Chandra stuck to it. According to the East Bay Times, Chandra rambled on so much during his cross-examination by Prosecutor Kevin Beecham, his own defense attorney objected to his client's testimony. Chandra did himself no favors on the stand, but his stupid story was all he had. Sure, the defense tried to poke holes in the prosecution's case, but no other witnesses testified in Chandra's defense. On the other hand, the prosecution presented plenty of evidence, refuting Chandra's claim. To include the information from the black box inside his infinity, eyewitness testimony, testimony from the surviving boys who had to take the stand and recall the events of that horrific night, 
a prosecution crash reconstruction expert who testified that Chandra had intentionally rammed the Prius and all the evidence recovered from the crash site, including the trail of fluids from the vehicle that left a path right to Chandra's front door. Riverside County Deputy District Attorney Kevin Beecham contended that Anurag Chandra used his car as a weapon in the premeditated murder of the three boys, an attempted murder of the surviving three, because he was angry. There was no fear, no excuse, and only a violent outburst of anger that tragically took the lives of three teenage boys. After weighing all the evidence, the jury deliberated for less than three hours before returning a verdict of guilty on three counts of first-degree murder and three counts of attempted murder. Chandra was facing life without the possibility of parole. His sentencing was scheduled for a later date. After the verdict, the New York Times reported that Alex Avascu, the father of Jacob and Joshua Avascu, reacted to the trial in an email writing in part that he was angry listening to Mr. Chandra spewing lies, but that the most difficult part of the trial was watching his surviving son take the stand to recall that evening. He went on to write about his son Joshua. The confirmation from the jury that nothing he did that night caused the death of his brother and best friends has brought him a new level of peace and healing. Anurag Chandra callously took the lives of three boys that night refused to take accountability, which forced the families and the surviving boys to go through the horror of reliving that night and all of the heartbreak and trauma of a trial. And even after being handed down a guilty verdict from a jury of his peers, he added insult to injury when through his attorney he claimed corruption was the reason he had been found guilty. The New York Times reported that his attorney, David Wall, reacted to the verdict calling it unfortunate stating, we didn't think in any way, shape, or form that it was a first-degree murder. There was a lot of passion surrounding this case for the past three years. He went on to say that he would file a motion for a new trial and would appeal the guilty verdict if the motion was denied. Wall stated further, we feel there are quite a few issues that are ripe for appeal. He added that he thought the defense exposed in their arguments, quote, a great deal of corruption that was done in this investigation. On Friday, July 14, 2023, everyone was gathered back in the courtroom for sentencing. Chandra sat emotionless as countless family members of the boys gave powerful victim impact statements, detailing the tremendous loss of the three boys. Anurag Chandra never even had the decency to look up at the family members as they read their statements, and he offered no apology to the family in court and seemed to have only been concerned with the money he was losing out on due to his time in jail. The East Bay Times reported that Chandra had bragged about a multi-million dollar deal he brokered with Disney for the Buena Park company where he worked, and worried that a murder conviction would hurt his income. I bet it does. Chandra chose not to address the family or the judge at his sentencing, and the only half-assed apology he had ever offered was during his pre-sentencing interview with the probation department. According to DA Kevin Beecham, after that apology, in the next breath, Chandra went on to talk about the financial burden the trial had placed on his family. The DA stated to the judge, that's as much of a backhanded apology as I've ever heard. At the hearing, Craig Hawkins, father of Daniel and Joshua, 
also spoke, addressing the judge, stating, We have seen no remorse, no contrition from him. The only thing that he seems to regret is the alleged money he thinks he would have made over the last three years or so while he's been in jail. Like money can compete with a life. Mr. Hawkins continued, The light never seemed to go on that he did something wrong. He needs to repent and acknowledge what he did. And with that, it was time for him to learn his fate. Judge Valerie Navarro sentenced Chandra to life without the possibility of parole for the murder charges, with an additional 21 years for the three attempted murder counts. He had no reaction as the sentence was handed down. Anurag Chandra is currently incarcerated at the Wasco State Prison where he will remain for the rest of his life. Although life for the three families will never be the same, they take some solace in the fact that justice has been served. The families also take comfort knowing that their three boys are still together. Daniel's mother, Janet Hawkins, spoke to CBS News and stated, I know my son is in heaven. He's with his two best friends. They had a nickname of the three amigos. They did everything together. And I guess they didn't want to part from each other, so they all went to heaven together. And there's a lot of comfort in knowing that they're all still together. For more information about the scholarship, photos, and tributes to the boys, visit Remember the Three. That's the number three dot com. I'll be sure to drop a link in the show notes. If you're not following the show on social media already, head over to my Instagram at least underscore of these or my Facebook at least of these podcast. I'll be bringing you an all new episode next Thursday. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already so you don't miss it. You can finally get all your episodes ad free just the way you like them for just $2 a month. And as a member of Patreon, you'll be the first to be notified when new tiers will be launched with exclusive episodes and a few bonus surprises. Go on over to patreon.com slash least of these to support the show today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. And until next time, be good to each other.